the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said, if you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. The disciples were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? No one was expecting the Holy Spirit to show up that day, and certainly not in the way that he did. The Holy Spirit descended on the disciples in tongues of fire, incinerating their plans for a quiet evening celebration and inaugurating a new age for our then fledgling faith. Some say that today is the birthday of the church because this is the day on which the Holy Spirit gathered all of God's people into one church, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, a church in which the disciples then and the disciples now can be empowered to live out the ministries to which they have been called by God. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites were all drawn together 
The residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia all heard the same voice. Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, even visitors from Rome, the very epicenter of the church's persecution, everyone was there. And everyone received the promised gift of the Holy Spirit at the very same time. This list of places may seem unfamiliar to us now, but it was scandalous in its time. These people were divided by more than just their language. This congregation had come together from every corner of the world then known, from every shore of the Mediterranean, from Turkey and Asia, and from points as far east as present-day Iran. The Holy Spirit chose to descend upon a congregation of people that disagreed with one another, upon a congregation of people who had been at war with one another, and upon a congregation of people who regarded as heresy the worldviews of almost everyone else in the room. In an age wherein tribal identity meant everything, the Holy Spirit drew together the least likely of alliances, and he called it the church. For the first time since the Tower of Babel, a common humanity emerged on the face of the earth, and the Holy Spirit called it the church. No creed was promulgated on that first Pentecost. No list of doctrines was published. All that was required for membership in the church on its so-called birthday was a common conviction that Jesus Christ, the incarnate, crucified, and risen Lord, was the Lord of all creation. As St. Peter said, quoting the prophet Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The church's heritage of simplicity and equality and inclusion is worth our remembering because the unity of that first Pentecost was fleeting. Almost overnight, St. James would convene a council in Jerusalem to determine who qualified for membership in the church, who was in and who was out. By the fourth century, Constantine was codifying doctrines and punishing heretics. The East and the West parted ways in the 11th century never to be reunited, and the Catholics and the Protestants followed suit 500 years later. In our own day, we have seen the church divide itself over issues of race and gender, of sexuality and gender expression, our generation's new litmus tests for faithfulness and fidelity. Indeed, the unity of the church's infancy quickly gave way to the fractiousness of its adulthood. But on this Pentecost Sunday, on this birthday of the church, the scriptures remind us that we need not live our lives in this divided way. The canyons of our society are deep, rich and poor, black and white, 
educated and not, women and men, English speakers and Spanish speakers, citizens and immigrants, Republicans and Democrats, Presbyterians and Episcopalians, Southerners and Northerners, the list goes on. What a scandal it would be if the Holy Spirit did again today what he did on that first Pentecost. What a scandal it would be if the Holy Spirit appeared to all of us at once, at the very same time, such that no one group of people could lay claim to having any special standing in the household of God. What a scandal it would be if the Holy Spirit caused us truly to hear and to understand each other for only the second time since Babel enabling us to set aside our rhetoric and our punditry of other people. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Though your neighbor's values may offend you, though their opinions may make your blood boil, though their ancestors may have shamed and humiliated your ancestors, God loves us all just the same. The promise of the Pentecost story is that all of God's people can and will be drawn together across every divide into one community of faith, and that God will call that community of faith the church. In Acts, the disciples receive no direct answer to their question about what all of this means. But after 2,000 years of experience and reflection, perhaps we can begin to formulate an answer for them. Pentecost means that there is no chasm too wide for God to bridge. Pentecost means that those who are filled with the Holy Spirit have the power to reject the divisiveness of the status quo and to lay claim to our shared heritage of equality. Pentecost means that we need to be about the work of making disciples from all walks of life and from every corner of the world. We need to be about the work of bringing all people into relationship with God and with each other. We need to be about the work of growing this complicated, countercultural thing that the Holy Spirit calls the church. So let's be about that work. Let's look beyond our divisions to see the face of God in unexpected people. Let's let everyone truly mean everyone. And let's begin today. Amen.